Evanescence. (laughs) (laughs) Wake me up inside. (laughs) Hello and welcome. We are Irenicast. I'm Jeff. It's your boy, Alan. I'm Casey. This is Raj. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we bring to you our perspectives on theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, Bonnie is on assignment, and the four of us are going to be talking about cosmology and what that has to do with God. And then finally, for our segment, we're going to bring back one of our favorites, sound trades. And if you haven't heard us do sound trades before, you are in for a treat. Uh, Stick around. Yes, it is very, very fun. Hello, future Alan here. Before this conversation gets going, we want to make a clarification. While we talk a lot in this episode about how the ancients didn't have concepts for things like galaxies or genetic evolution, it is important to point out modern folks generally don't give ancient people enough credit when it comes to their understanding of their own mythologies. Chronological hubris dictates that they must have read these stories literally, but it has generally been the West particularly since the Enlightenment, which is interested in reading the Bible like a science book. We should at least be open to the idea that ancient people's relationship to myth was far more sophisticated than we give them credit for. That's something we thought was worth mentioning and keeping in mind during this episode. Future Alan out. So, Cosmology. Why are we talking about that? Uh, This was a subject that I brought up uh, when we were sitting down doing our planning because I thought this was interesting. And the more I reflect on my journey from conservative evangelicalism to progressive Christianity, where I am now, I would say that one of the primary catalysts was my idea of cosmology. One of the things that first started getting me questioning what I was taught was the literal six-day creation. Right. So for me, it was a progression where it was this idea of six days and then into, well, those days could be like long days or eras and and then realizing more. And then that brought me into the text and started realizing more and more that a lot of the way that the Bible talked about creation was so narrow because their idea of how the earth was constructed was so narrow. Like everything was a literal place. So when they said the heavens, they didn't know what was above the heavens. They didn't have any planes or anything like that. And they literally believed in their cosmology in the ancient world that the the mountains held up the sky and above the skies where the gods were. And then under the ground, there was a whole place. Like it was this very simple thing that you could draw out now. And the more that we've learned about how the physical world is, it's astounding to me how our language for God has not changed with that understanding. And it has maybe a little bit, but not a whole lot. And you still have people because of their language for God is so tied to the Bible that you even have a lot of people that are still believing like the earth is flat. That still believe in like an ancient cosmology, so to speak. Wait, and, it's not? No, it's not, Alan. <laughs> we forgot to have that episode first, apparently. The, the flatter it's society. The flatter. Oh, I've got, got a friend from high school who could be our special guest on that. Oh, one. no. <laughs> I think I think you're spot on. I mean, our view of the universe has changed dramatically uh, and our God, our vision of God hasn't kind of caught up with what, what we've discovered. And I'm kind of interested, like for you, Jeff, that's where a lot of your 
progressive leaning came from or started? Right. Is that how it was for everybody else? Or did we, or like, where are you at right now? And, and how did you kind of get to where you're at? I think is, is an interesting question to ask people who have been doing so much work in the Christian world, as long as you all have, like where, where's your cosmology at and where did that kind of land in your progression? Well, I, that's, that's really interesting. And Jeff, thanks for touching on your own kind of the, the starting point. I think for a lot of us, it was, uh, well, for me, let me not speak for anybody else. For me, it was, um, when biblical literacy in the way I was formed to believe in biblical literacy and inerrancy, um, was intimately tied to the creation story and a literal six day creation. So when that literal, construct began to disintegrate, it all just began to collapse more and more rapidly. Because for me and and a lot of others I was in conversation with, if creation wasn't six days, if the Bible's not literal, then it's just throw it all away. Because I had no other toehold. That was it. Right. The, it was all built on that premise or those, those premi premises. And sometimes that was explicit, right? I mean, in, in my congregations, it was oh, like, definitely. if this is not true, then none of it's true. That was said from the pulpit. Totally. And it was like, uh, if this if this cosmology that the ancients had isn't what we have now, then you shouldn't be a Christian. And I, I think for me, I mean, it's it's it hasn't played out that way. I think uh, an updated understanding of the cosmos <laughs> actually informs my faith and helps it as a Christian. And it doesn't have to be a war. I think that that, um, I think that it has even deepened my faith because having a a cosmology that says that you have to believe in a six day creation and you have to see scripture as something that is inerrant and infallible and blah, 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 doesn't allow for mystery or wonder. I remember starting in confirmation. So as you all know, I grew up Lutheran and evangelical. And so my grandma wanted me to start confirmation. And one of the very first things my pastor did was take all of us, all of these little sixth graders and lay out under the stars. And he said something like, you see these stars, but there are stars beyond those stars and stars beyond those stars. And what do you think is out there? And it like blew my mind. It totally like I had never thought about that, right? And so it was sort of an invitation to wonder, to live into that mystery. And so I do that every year with my kids, all of my youth group kids. We lay out under the stars. And and my point is to say, like, when we stand in before the infinite, we are left wondering how we matter. What are we in relation to this enormous grand painting of stars? And for me, I think that's that's what draws us to the divine. God, do I still matter? Like even when I look out over the stars, what is my relationship to you? And I and I don't need to go to scripture for that. <laughs> like right. And I think that understanding and encountering our cosmology, our space that we live in, I think it's essential to expanding our understanding of that and then also allowing it to expand our understanding of of our relation to our faith. And I think that the two primary things, I think it affects the way that we encounter people. And I think that it affects the language that we use for God. And I think that the language we use for God 
can determine a lot on how open we're going to be towards new experiences of who God is and what the divine is in, in the world that we live. You know, look at the whole, the whole idea behind the creative endeavor of sci-fi, right? It's meant to give you this place where you can disconnect from the current world that you're in to encounter ideas that you can't really do right now like right now one of my favorite shows on tv is is supergirl and you know so it's you know supergirl she's from krypton and she's been sent over here and all that kind of stuff but it's a great allegory for immigration so you can use that story for an immigrant coming to this this world to help people and they're really doubling down on it in this season and you can really like you can use these these ideas and an expanded understanding of the cosmos, speculation about the cosmos and relate it to how we relate to one another. And then I think thereby relating it to who God is and using different language. Like for years, I now I always, I always use the language of, you know, God of the universe because it, it expands more than my God or, you know, God uh, who saved whatever terms we use for God. God is King, which is so like, you know, here and now, and there's no, there's no room to breathe in that, you know? That's right. And, and one of the, you know, I mean, we're getting ready to start Lent, right? Um, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. From stardust you came, from stardust you shall return, right? I mean, for me, I think that that, that is a beautiful understanding that it's not just as we look up into the stars to, to see how we are connected to the universe, but also how we are connected to one another. I really like that, Jeff. Yeah. And Jeff, um, bringing in uh, sci-fi and a superhero in one thought again kudos it's great it's what i we do have, raj is what i do <laughs> <laughs> we should have like a bingo game where you know did jeff do that it's a drinking uh, game and i ran a cast drinking game how nerdy but, is jeff gonna get in this episode <laughs> but the the connection you made to a shift in cosmology and of course the relationship to our understanding and our our vocabulary for god is really interesting because one of the things i've just observed is how many folks who are kind of on this journey, they'll journey into deeper, wider understandings of science and um, maybe practice yoga and sit out in the woods and commune with nature as a divine experience. All good things, all great things. Um, but the the nature of God somehow doesn't shift a whole lot. And I, And I'm wondering if then, if that's not truly... Deconstru- this is another episode, I think, but it's not deconstruction. It's just sort of remaining within the construction, but evolving or allowing awareness to re- remold what's inside an existing construction. And I don't know if there's like how that fits for any of you or if it doesn't. There's a certain amount of unlearning that goes on, not just unlearning of the past and our physical awareness of who we are as beings, but talking about cosmology and physics, there's a lot that's not like natural for us. We spend our lives in our bodies throwing a baseball or there. Paul Wallace is someone who makes that observation. Like he talks to his class, you throw a baseball, someone hits it and he asks his class, uh, what, what's propelling the ball into the stands when someone hits a home run and everybody has guesses, they'll say like the forces of gravity or different things. And he says nothing. From the moment a ball is actually hit to the time it gets into the stands, it's actually slowing down. Air is slowing it down and gravity is slowing it down. And like that kind of intuitive knowledge is so at odds with kind of what we know about the universe now that there's a certain amount of unlearning and kind of deconditioning that you have to do 
to enter into the world of, of physics and cosmology, and especially in terms of religion. And so, like for a lot of people, when they learn physics and they learn that, oh, wow, time is relative, it's not uniform, they don't lose a whole lot. You know, they're like, wow, that, you know, I, my ideas of time have to change a little bit. But when you think about the grand scale of the universe and the nature of the universe, when that changes, you're, you're losing an entire structure of reality and of God that you kind of are built with. And I think for Casey to lay on the ground and look at the universe and have this experience of love is something I can relate to. But I think for a lot of our listeners, maybe, and for a lot of people I've worked with, there is a real sense of terror, like realizing that, I mean, the, the Copernican revolution, recognizing that earth is not the center of the universe scared people and, and people opposed that the church opposed that other academics opposed that even when Galileo confirmed it. And then, um, and then expanding that the cosmological principle recognizing that the Milky way is not the center of the universe. And just to kind of illustrate how far like we've come from ancient cosmology to where we are now, it was only in 1929 that we discovered there were other galaxies. That's when Hubble like saw Andromeda and was like, wow, that's not a patch of gas in our galaxy. That's actually a totally different galaxy, unimaginably far away. In only, only in the mid-90s did we discover there were other planets orbiting other stars. We didn't know that before. So like our our understanding of the universe is exploding in the last hundred years, and we don't even know what the ramifications of that are. And there are going to be spiritual ramifications. But when the Bible was written, it's not just that there are pillars under the earth and that you know the sky is a firmament, there's a dome, and there's water above that the gates open and then the rain comes and God lives in this like space, literal space above and beyond that that firmament. I think reading the Bible, you have to be able to understand that to understand what's being written. But their concept of of like embodiment was that earthly things exist on the earth because of some some trait within themselves. Like human beings don't fly in the sky because earthly things gravitate toward the earth. Like lowly things are lowly. God is high because there's some essential nature about God that is high. So Comparing our cosmology to like ancient cosmology, I think the, the gap is much more significant and, and further than most people could understand without really looking at it. And so when they're deconstructing, right, our faith, if you don't know where the field is at and how much has changed, of course, God might not change a little bit. Like, of course, there's going to be some some journey there because it's kind of hard to even move that direction for us, it's it's been less than a generation since we've discovered these really huge things. Well, your baseball illustration is kind of cool. Um, Paul, it, that was Paul Wallace. Well, <laughs> I stole the, the, yeah, the you, one you, you stole invoking, is good, Alan. I like it. <laughs> you, you invoking Paul Wallace. Good job crediting Paul. Um, I have witnessed what I think what I think I have witnessed numerous times are people that are actively seeking, and let's couch that seeking in. They're they're standing at home plate, balls are flinging at them, and they are trying desperately for something to connect. And then finally, one connects, and they're like, "Oh shit!" And that moment, like you were describing, the moment of impact has consequences that then deteriorate. You know that that are impacted by other forces. And I've witnessed numerous times what I think is this, where that impact happens like, oh, there's that sweet connection. But then no, 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 no. That ball cannot go so far. So they exert sort of that superhero, supernatural, 
sci-fi control and like bring they make that ball drop out of the sky before it gets really where it was trying to go or where the impact could have led it because it's too threatening to the here and now. What's and, that law that's like you can only question a certain percentage of your world at one time? Has anyone heard about oh, that? I, yeah. I, I don't know what it's called, but apparently you can only question a certain percentage without like totally freaking out. Right. But I, I, I would say this is, you know, the questioning is happening. And then when a point of connection or a realization happens where in the moment the realization occurs, there's also a recognition that this will have profound impacts on my life and the way I live it if I allow this realization to sink in. So there's this instant battle to keep the realization at bay. Going kind of along those lines, I think it's interesting a little bit, Alan, what you were also saying before is that that our our connectedness to our present is an important part of that allowing the the cosmology our understanding of the cosmos to affect where we are right like so you talk about the ancients and how they were just they were earthbound they were connected to the land they were connected to the earth and i feel like a lot of people's religion it's not connected to the here and now it's either connected to the past or it's connected to this hypothetical that's future right. Right. that they've created in their mind so it's easy for them to not evolve their relationship with god because it's 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 or they're not just their relationship with god and I'm using evangelical language but their their language about god and their understanding about who god is because the the for them the past is static and the future is static and that's where god that's where god really lives for them right like in in a in a practical like embodied way that's where god is god really isn't in God may be manifesting God's self in the present, but God really exists in the past or in the future, like in a, in a practical way when you really break down a whole conservative theology. And I think that – and it prevents you from learning, not only learning about where we are in the cosmos, but then denying what we're what we're told. One of the stumbling points for me in the beginning was this idea of general and specific revelation that I learned in one of my first theology classes. And you know this idea of the 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 – the argument always being, well, what about someone who's in this tribe on this side of the world and they never hear about Jesus? Well, if they acknowledge God exists by the nature around them through a general revelation, then, then they'll be saved and they'll, you know, go to heaven. And that Far. I, right, exactly. And that idea of general revelation for me led me to this idea of, well, we have clear understanding that these stars are like millions of years old based off of light and all that kind of stuff. So if, if God, created the cosmos with the the appearance of being older than it really was then is god a liar like all that evangelical like yeah, logical that's actually, stuff that has the, to happen. i actually want to like nail that one down specifically for anyone who's listening and you're still on your journey you're still figuring out whether evolution is true whether the universe is 13 billion years old or not like there we've seen stars explode like jeff is saying there are millions of, of light years away and if the earth is only ten thousand years old that means god created that light in route from a star that never existed and it only looked like it blew up, but God only created the light photons of an explosion event that was headed toward earth for like 10,000 years. And that's it. So yeah, the, basically we are being asked by conservative interpretations of Genesis one through three to believe that God created a universe that looks friggin' old and to disbelieve it because of of what poetry is telling us in Genesis 1 through 3 and that matters but Jeff knowing where you're at right now um it, it's uh, when i said terrifying i really mean like we're moving from the ancients didn't just believe they were lowly 
They believe that they were the pinnacle of creation. They believe that they were made just a little bit lower than the gods, right? That's how like the poets would say it. And now we're we're discovering like most of the universe doesn't know we exist. And yeah, but if, give a sh- but if you, you know, look at the like, history, even like outside of cosmology, if you look at the history and the progression of ancient people through particularly the lens of our scriptures, uh, there was still a changing of their language based on the changing of the landscape in which they were due. I'd, I'd be curious to see that. But my, my speculation is that the language about God had changed more from the the first scripture that was written to the last scripture was written since, uh, since you know, Jesus and today and how much we've used language. Like, because they're yeah. still changing based off of the political landscape. They were still changing in their theology based on who was over dominion. Like, I mean, Israel's language about God when they were the ones in charge compared to their language of God, when they were the ones that were oppressed, they, they felt the dynamics of their changing landscape and didn't seem to like hold on to the way the old thing was. There was this understanding that the world evolves and the air new eras happen and there's new ways to understand God. And I feel like we've, Christianity as a tradition lost that along the way because we're still using the same language that we've used since we've become an institution. One of one of the oldest parts of the Bible, and this is really cool. Again, I got this from Paul Wallace, but um, Job, there's a really cool way of reading Job where Job's world is based on traditional knowledge and spirituality and cosmology. Like he does good. He gives to the poor. He's an important part. He sits at the city gate. He's an important man who is blessed by God and everything that he does. And if you take the ending, the beginning of Job and the ending where God and Satan are talking and you kind of remove it, there's this like extended argument between traditional religious knowledge and experience. And for Job, he's saying his experience doesn't line up and he expects God to be like him. An anthropocentric God, he's like, argue with me. I've done nothing wrong. Why am I experiencing all of this like chaos in my life? Why is this happening to me? And when God finally responds to Job, he doesn't talk about anything Job is talking about whatsoever. He actually takes Job on a trip, a cosmological ancient trip, shows him the wild ostriches, the wild donkeys, the vultures who feed on, you know, their young feed on blood. And God is saying, Hey, look, even says in the text, here are fields that no human beings will ever see. And I love them. (laughs) Here are the wild animals, the jackals and stuff. And I love them. Like here is behemoth and Leviathan, like the, the impersonation of chaos itself. And like, I love it. Like, how cool is this? This is not made for human beings. Nobody's going to see this. And this is something that I love. And it puts Job kind of in his place. It knocks him off of the like anthropocentric understanding of who human, human beings are. And it kind of questions like your traditional understanding of, of spirituality. And so there's this like story in the Bible already, one of the oldest ones that has that shift in perspective. And it's, it's funny, like that pales in comparison to what we know now and how our shift, how our shift is, cha- is, is changing. And what I want to know, like from you three and from more people is like, what, what does spirituality look like now that we are knocked off of this anthropocentric model? Like we're, we're a very young species, right? Like the, we, I, I always heard that the star was going to blow up someday. Our sun was going to blow up and it mortified me and, to discover and like they're like, oh no, it'll be billions of years in the future. To discover that that's already happened, and we're in a second generation star, and the universe is so massive. I'm like massive to the point where I know I keep saying stories and stuff, but I get really excited. And uh, again, in the mid '90s, they pointed the Hubble telescope toward 
a tennis ball a hundred meters away, that size of the sky, like one twenty-four one twenty-four millionth of the sky that was the darkest. And some scientists got their time on the, the Hubble telescope and they said what they wanted to do with it was just point it at this part of the sky and leave it there for ten days and see what they saw. And when they developed these images of the black night sky, there were just a crazy amount of galaxies. And so it proved the cosmological principle that like there are billions of galaxies. And like, if there are billions of stars inside of billions of galaxies and there are planets revolving around these things, it's un, it's just unimaginably old and unimaginably big. And for us to think that we're the center of all of it is, is a shift. I used to believe that we were the center of the universe, that the world was 10,000 years old. And I don't anymore. That has consequences, right? I mean, it has consequences for what we do and, and, and how we do faith. And, uh, I, everybody's right. I mean, my, my church was right to be worried about that, to be worried that evolution would undo the kind of paradigm I was given because it has, uh, it has undone Christ for me, <laughs> but it has undone kind of what I've built out of my faith and even the concept of, you know, tradition versus experience. Like that, that question is no longer necessarily relevant for me. Um, so I, I just put up a thing on, on Facebook, you know, do you think aliens exist or whatever? And like, it's changed over my lifetime. 90% of the people who responded said, yeah, they think some form of life is out there. But when I was younger, it wasn't that way. I mean, some of the young earth creationists would Ken Ham. I remember when he tweeted, there's no way aliens exist. I was like, who says that? Who who can just make that 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 statement? But there are a lot of Christian churches that teach that. I mean, I mean, they spent millions of dollars making the the Ark Museum and stuff, and like, there is an untold amount of money spent on young Earth creationism right now being taught to people. Well, I mean, I think that illustration. They spent millions of dollars rebuilding an Ark. They those put dinosaurs the, in it. Those are the kinds of people that are going to say uh, aliens don't exist. Right. You know, oftentimes it doesn't have to be that way, but it seems to be that way. Um, but yeah, you're right, Alan. This this knowledge um, and evolution's a part of it. I don't think evolution's the entirety of it because we're, we're searching for, for clues. We're searching for some sort of answers. But the fact that we are not the center of really anything um, right, is destabilizing. Right. Can you to say human that again? Can just say that again? We are not the center of, of anything. <laughs> and just like God loves the chaos, loves Leviathan and the, you know, the young vultures, God loves us. Like we're a part of God's yeah. creation that God is, is, but the disturbing thing is God loving chaos. Like what the hell? It's supposed to be ordered. They're supposed to be like levels, right? And God lives at the yeah. very highest level. It shouldn't be as messy as that. But but I but, but I think for me, I mean, that's where my cosmology changes, right? If there is no big God up in the sky and there is no hell down below, then where is God? Absolutely. God is within us. God is within us. God is all around us. And that's what changes. Your your meaning and purpose begins to be formed around something different. And that's what I think is so beautiful. I actually think that cosmology is where we all start. I mean, that's like, that's what should change first is your cosmology, beginning to understand your relationship to everything. Because th this is the same, this is the problem that we're having. People begin to say, well, if God is up in the sky and Jesus is going to come back on a big cloud, I didn't say the F word, Jeff, because you bleep me out every time. I do. Um, 
You have a potty <laughs> mouth, Casey. <laughs> I, um, if if God, if Jesus is coming back, then we have no repercussions for how we treat our planet, how we treat our neighbor. None of it matters. Right. Be- because Jesus is coming back. God is up in the sky and going to whisk us all away. We saw recently someone talking about the rapture, you know, like, oh, Jesus is going to take us all up. Well, and some people get to stay behind. And that's all crap. Um, and so when you start and, with and really new, young too, only the last hundred years have, have the rapture. So really when you taught. start with, when, with a new cosmology that says we need each other, that we are all interconnected and that God isn't way up in the sky and hell isn't down below, but that we are living eternity now. I think that we would treat our planet and our neighbor a lot differently. Right. And also our responsibility. I mean, so if, if chance is real. And if that's built into God's universe, like the, evolution doesn't just refer to human beings. It refers to like galaxies too. galaxies evolved, like cosmologically. That's just like a, that's just a feature of the universe as evolution. It, everything is evolving and changing all the time. I mean, there, there are cultures there. Are, I mean, all of this, even as we talk about like evolution, all of this is just story, right? right. I mean, we, we are, we, there are things that we definitely still don't know about oh, the yeah. universe. Nobody and can so- look past the, the big bang. Like nobody can go to time equals zero and actually see what happened before that. Like we can only talk about what comes after it. We really no, don't. Know. We can just read Genesis one and two. <laughs> All the answers you need. But there, are and right there, there are cultures, by the way, who had who said long before any anyone anyone in the Western world, they acknowledged that we were not the center of the universe. Yeah. And those cultures, by the way, are a lot more um, communal relational, interdependent. It is because we have scriptures and a, and a white perspective that say that we are the center of the universe. Um, a Greek that, perspective for sure. That's a really interesting that you say a white, like how much colonization has informed the way that mm-hmm. we look at that. Right. Cause we're not a part of an ecosystem. We're meant to dominate that ecosystem. Right. right? That's and the right. whole, the That's whole right. concept That's of right. ecosystem, it's like we're outside of the, the pattern of nature as opposed to a part of it. That's not even yeah. a part. Like we are nature. Yeah. We, we, we are right. Ecosystem. That's right. The fallacy of individualism. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know, Bonnie uh, is away for this recording, but we were talking about this and that was one of the things that we were just exploring was this. I was channeling Bonnie, Raj. Yeah. I actually was channeling Bonnie. (laughs) Cool. Was this notion that we as humans kind of want to see ourselves, and this was in relationship to chaos and order, but as humans, it's like, if we're not the center of the universe, then what's the point? Kind of this nihilistic perspective instead of embracing like, what if there's some order and there's a lot of chaos. What if, what if they're not mutually exclusive? And and that's a hard thing for people to to wrap their minds around. Unless you're a scientist, you totally get that. Well, yeah, like, that's how entropy works. Is that right. there are pockets of order um, in the midst of like a larger, increasing entropy in the universe, and like that. So that makes scientific sense. But you're right; it's hard on kind of a. Um, personal sense but I, I think that explodes meaning that opens up meaning totally. like to hear casey totally. say you know oh the, jesus is coming back like and, and you're talking about your past like jesus is coming back in the rapture or you know that kind of stuff casey you're totally right like that that uh takes the responsibility off of us for our neighbor that's right that's right but but 
also it takes out, it takes our imagination out. Like there's one right way to do things. Everything's going to be wrapped up nicely in the end to believe that God is actually like interested in kind of this chaotic universe and making stuff with us and with us and everything that we do it. And there's chance built in, like God's not just predetermining everything. There is real chance that actually gives us responsibility for our actions. That's right. Like that's exactly right. You know, that's God my is whole not, point. And that's yeah. what I was saying earlier about imagination. Like I started this, my whole thing about like, when you look up at the stars, you're left to wonder and what Christianity has done and colonization has prevented us from wondering and has instead handed us a narrative and said, this is all you need to know. Right. It's like the, the, the it's like that annoying person that sits with you that's already seen the movie that spoils every aspect for you and takes away the, the sense of adventure. So, so that's basically right. Christianity right. is the friend you don't want to take to the movies. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. Or or thanks for ruining the rest of this season of Supergirl, Jeff. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't tell you the end. I didn't tell you it, that everyone dies. It's unfortunate because Christianity, Christianity Body will to, love it. Christianity doesn't have to be like that. Like there are, I, I want to talk more about Christianities with an S because there's so many different kinds, you know, and there always has been different kinds from the very I beginning. Wonder, you know, for me, as we're talking about this, I don't know about you, but I love going on drives like rides. And a lot of times I'll hand Jose the keys, my partner, and say, just drive. I don't care where we end up. And in the same way, I I want my faith to look like that. I want my cosmology to be that way. Like, I don't know where we're headed. I hope we're headed to like an ice cream shop, you know. Um, <laughs> but But I think the journey together, together with neighbor and God, the journey together is far more important than where we end up. Our son, our son's literally on a journey. Like just thinking of what you're saying, like explode yeah. it to like a bigger, bigger and bigger perspective. Our sun is not still. It is actually moving through space and we're like swirling around it. So it kind of looks like a corkscrew going through space right. when right. you look at it from a different perspective. And our galaxy is on a journey somewhere. We're like a giant, our solar system's a giant spaceship, like we headed somewhere instead of just this like fixed thing in our minds. You're right, Casey, like we're on this journey. And what if God is on that journey with us? And what if God is like, hey, like you said, giving the keys and being like, look, I'm all about creating life. I take joy in chaos. I take joy in the the wild stuff that is not made for human beings that is that is chaotic. Like, let's make something together. At every moment, there's an invitation. You can go to process theology from there. You don't necessarily have to, but like, oh, I yes, sure you, do. you do. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> I, I was yeah. just going to say, it, it's, it's like, what, what if become a process theologian? I, we should mark this, we'll put this in the notes. Right. But in relation to that imagery, being sort of a, a process-ish guy, uh, God is subject to the movement of the universe through space. Yeah. And, and maybe subject is the right word. But maybe it's maybe it's not even the right word because it not, still not, plays on the right? same. But, but not but, even entirely. Let's move the binary off the table. I'm not talking about entirely subject to, but you know. But what, regardless yeah, what, of that, because if, we have an, an expanded view and accept an expanded view of our cosmology, we can have a conversation like this. We can debate where God is in that and how things are working, hallelujah. and and engage mystery, engage something, and that's just the stuff that we know for sure, right? Like we know the universe, uh, the things we know about the universe. But what about the things we don't know about the universe? Like when you get into like multiverse and string theory, and like okay, oh, yeah. and then how oh, does yeah. that affect our idea of salvation? Right? Or is it just this world that it's, you're saved, and this world you're not saved? 
Like, how does God reconcile that if you're one person? And then microbiology. What about looking inward and how many layers of life there are the on the opposite end? Like, all of these things. Isn't that such an anthropocentric way to look at the world, though? Dividing it between yeah. saved and unsaved. Like, that, oh, absolutely. that concept. But it's, that it's concept one does, lens. It, it is one lens. I, I think that one one really big shift, um, again, the guy that I've been reading, I'll recommend his book at the end, but like the concept of creation ex nihilo, like out of nothing, the Greek idea that like, you know, the er, there's this like debate in early Christianity and and the the major movements of the church in quote unquote orthodox teaching would say God created the universe out of nothing. We can't say that scientifically because we don't see T equals zero, right? We only see like the moment after the Big Bang um, when when time and space – by the way, I'm going to say this one last thing about science and then I will go back to that. Our universe is, is a sphere. People don't realize this, but like it's not flat. Like the, the, the universe itself, if you started on one end and you traveled straight, you would end up where you started, it's like a globe. You know how you travel on the outside of the globe? Space itself is shaped that way. We're way out. Are you saying there's edges? <laughs> no, there's no edges. Like people I don't think we fully grasp like what 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 the universe is and what it's doing. It's like the end of men in black were just a marble and some aliens marble bag. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like space itself is like expanding. Not we're not expanding in space. Space itself is expanding. And like the the as as far as the creation ex nihilo thing goes, we don't know what's beyond the very beginning. And Genesis one doesn't say God created the universe ex nihilo. Like if you look at the Hebrew that is in the first sentences of Genesis, it looks Way more like the appropriate translation is when God began to create the universe, the spirit was hovering over these chaotic waters, right? He was hovering over chaos itself, the void, and was creating something with it. So, like, what if God's relationship to the universe looks more like that than just this creation ex nihilo event where, you know, what if creation's happening all the time and and God is working with with chaos and with us? It would look different than, like you're saying, Raj, like a subject universe where God is up on this other plane and not in relationship necessarily with with our world. I don't know if that makes sense, but questions like that you can ask, you can question once you yeah. start to think cosmologically. Once you start to to move beyond, yeah, there's so many different layers and fun things to explore, and you can get sucked into this vortex, right? I, I think we've all probably flirted with. Uh, Kind of that. Oh my God! If I go any further, I'm not. I'm never getting out of this. Never coming this back. Thought spiral. Never coming back. But you know, it, it, talking about the journey, um, you know, Jeff, you 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 touched on uh, there being a before and a, a process since. I every now and then will do this little exercise with myself as as a reflection exercise. I will review an event or a happening or something I read as me now. And then try to go back 20, 25, 30 years and review it as me as somebody who knew everything, you know, to who, who had all the answers. And one, one of the really, one of my favorite uh, times doing that is we lived in Berkeley for a while. Our kids, our, our sons were going through high school at the time and they both were taking pretty cool classes. And Julian, our older son, got an extra credit opportunity, which to go to hear a free lecture. I mean, living in Berkeley is freaking awesome for this stuff. There was going to be three scientists doing a presentation. One was a leading expert on black energy, dark energy and dark matter. The other one had mapped 
uh, done a 3D digital mapping of the known universe at the time. And the third scientist, she was a, an expert on light. So you've got the you know some of the brightest minds in the history of human humanity. No pun intended. To, to, yeah, yeah. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> in in Earth's history, just talking to people like me, I'm not a science person, but I love science. I love physics, and so the part that was just I remember being like that was the most fun to think about in the here and now, and then for twenty years, thirty years ago, was the expert on light. She was talking about the behaviors of light. And before some of her exploration, there was this understanding if you shine a flashlight and there's a tennis ball blocking the path of the light, some rays are in a linear fashion going beyond the tennis ball, thus creating a shadow on the other side. You know, so the tennis ball blocks some light. And what she was noticing is that in space, sometimes rays of light actually bend. They will move around an object, you know, and I'm like, what is what really? And, you know, I'm believing her. But at the, at the same moment, all these notions that I've had are challenged. But then in reflection um, and, and in the moment I was also celebrating is like, whoa, I'm learning something really new and exciting and revolutionary. Uh, and was celebrating that with Julian. And then in my reflection later, I was like 20, 30 years ago, I'd be like, so how does this light bending phenomenon fit into the reality of what I already know to be true and ultimate truth? How can you and use how it is, for a sermon illustration in a couple how, weeks? <laughs> how is the, where's the sermon illustration? How is God, the God of the universe in charge? You know, how is God leveraging this this thing? And, you know, we're just too stupid and just realize, you know. And and kind of fitting it into this pre-existing notion rather than allowing it to open things up. So, for anyone wondering, that's gravitational lensing. <laughs> yeah, thanks. No, I exciting. couldn't remember the name. Yeah, yeah. No, she was. Uh, it was because, pretty cool. Yeah, because if a heavy object bends a photon of light just a tiny bit and then it travels for a million years, you can imagine that it's going to move pretty far, like the trajectory. That's so cool. I'm getting excited. Sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about science. Yes. Yeah. And, and there were slides, Alan. Really? I mean, not you slides. Know, but, I love yeah. slides. You, so I, I want to know what this looks like in a progressive context. I'm going to your church. I'm going to your home. I'm your kid. Whatever. I want to know, like, what what impacts does this have for your spirituality? Like, on Sunday, I did a little meditation this last Sunday where I talked about how we're discovering we're very connected with all the life around us. We share so much in common with our plants and animal relatives like DNA. And, and I had like a little meditation where I said, you know, put a hand on your chest and a hand on your, on your leg and think about all of your ancestors, like leading up this great chain of being all of these mothers and fathers and families and all kinds of things that brought each individual to successful adulthood all the way down to you, like, what does that do for you spiritually? I kind of want to know for you guys, like, how has the shift in cosmology informed your faith in a group setting? Not just like, you know, on your own, but if you're doing faith with other people in a progressive setting, does any of this stuff make a difference for you? Like, how, how should it shape communal life for us? Should we talk about this in church or does it just piss people off? I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's still working with the old model, like, hey, let's get a sermon out of this. But I just I want to know what this does to church people. You so, know what I'm saying? Like, so what you're saying is like in in a situation where you have a community who's 
who's all in in terms of an openness to cosmology influencing yes. who they are and what does that look like? Okay, or, yeah, may, or, or maybe wants to be all in. And, right. and everyone has disagreements and stuff, but a community that's moving in a more progressive direction. That's a good, that's a really good question, Alan. And um, I think people that come to progressive Christian communities are looking for newness. They're, they're looking to encounter new ideas and new thoughts, and, and maybe they're okay with some discomfort already because many have transitioned from somewhere else. Few people show up that have never really been part of a faith community ever, and they're just like, oh, I could go to this one. Um, but I, I think one of the things, um, leaders in every context, one of the mistakes we, we often make is assuming that people don't want to know stuff. Like they, they're, they're really gravitating towards absolute comfort. And I think having community that is radically accepting of you as a journeyer, not you as a fixed spiritual thinker. And, and that's where the security rests is your process is welcome here. And then leadership um, works on educating and creating a little bit of discomfort, intellectual discomfort, so that we can converse and come to new understandings. Um, Casey, and how I think, are you? And I would say parenting is really similar. Some mm-hmm. of those same elements as, as a parent, we've tried to celebrate, um, like, oh, yeah, that kind of changes everything, doesn't it? So what do we do about that? that? That's a fundamental shift, like valuing spirituality and people as spiritual beings on their spiritual journeys, apart from just tradition, is a big shift in communal life for me. And I think I'm having a spiritual awakening in my life, recognizing that this stuff that we're doing like really does matter outside of tradition necessarily, like and outside of other things, um, outside of just science or whatever. Our spirituality is a real thing, and it's it's important. So I think you're right, Raj, in saying that that creates some sort of um, security for people, for me, at least enough to do stuff with other people. Yeah, it gives you some courage, right, and mm-hmm. and a little freedom to try because you're not going to be left alone. Just because you think differently tomorrow than you did today. At least I hope you know that. <laughs> Just as the universe is in process, so are we. And um, allowing space for to be, to allowing people to be in that process, to allow space for them to be in that process, and to know that God is in process. I try most Sundays to say um, at the children's time, I pray this prayer with them every Sunday. I have for two years. God, I thank you that these young people um, are your hands, your feet, and your voice in the world. Because I think they need to know that prayer is only a part of it. You are left to do the work. And so you are a part of the, the process of creating the world that you and God imagine together. I think for me, it is an open understanding and acceptance of our expanding knowledge of the cosmos is is the canvas for reconciliation, right? It eliminates a need or a desire for nationalism. It eliminates a need or a desire for an us versus them. It, it, it reconciles your life outside of the walls of that community to experience other things and not draw in to that community and be sheltered from everything else. Like it is reconciliation with yourself, with your community. And that's, that's, again, this isn't an ideal situation. I know that there are valid things to be afraid of in the world, especially if you're a a part of an oppressed people, 
But if that's if we are people that are like living for a future kingdom or whatever we want to call that, then creating spaces where reconciliation can happen, I think it starts with a, a, an understanding and an acceptance that that our our world is ever changing and we're a part of it and we're not the center of it. And I think that's kind of the the central focus of it. So I was listening to Switchfoot yesterday, <laughs> the new oh, album. Come on, come on. <laughs> And um, wow. one of their one of their older albums popped up, and it was talking about some sort of it was like a kingdom song, you know, which was a little triggering. But it did lead me down this this rabbit hole around what do we actually pledge allegiance to, and what is our actual responsibility to the world. And what fascinates me is, you know, we grew up in traditions that said we are we are set apart, we are not of this kingdom. And yet these are the same institutions that continue to get pissed off when people kneel for, for uh, at the national anthem and continue to support one nation under God bullshit, right? And so I think in, ta- in what you're saying, Jeff, like the reconciliation piece, like returning to this idea that there is a kingdom that we are to work for, and it's a kingdom where all people um, are welcome and that, and that um, we are invited into making this kingdom and standing against a system that tells us that it's us and them, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, that, uh, I don't know if you had that pre-thought or that was in the moment, but the phrase canvas of reconciliation, like, Oh my God, that is, you're a fricking podcast superhero, man. (laughs) Canvas of reconciliation. That seriously, that's my next meditation thought. I'm going to, I'm going to take time. And just let breathe that in, because that is so powerful. I mean, the imagery and the possibility as a processy guy, the possibility there. Um, oh, man, beautiful. Thank you for that. Thinking about Job, like where he started before he went through the cosmological shift, he was kind to the poor. And then when he went through his yeah. stuff, he became the poor. And like yeah. that was a very painful thing for him. And then to realize, wow, I'm kind of like the wild like recognizing this has forced me to recognize the chaos in myself. I did the Valentine's float thing and I had this really weird experience. I've been like reading and thinking about things. And, and then I recognize there are places in me that are not for other people. There are whole worlds inside of my body with like millions and millions of life forms that are living inside of me. I know that might freak some people out, but like, that that are living and they have significance that it's not for you. It's not for anyone else. It is this God that appreciates, you know, the wild field appreciates the wildness in me. How can I appreciate the chaos in me? Like that scares me as someone who needs an ism for everything. Right, Jeff, that's where we began. That's right. Like where I began was Jeff saying, Hey, if Genesis one through three is not literal, it won't shake my faith. And I was like, Oh my God. There's no way. How can you possibly say that? To where I'm at now is recognizing, like, no, there's chaos in me to be loved by me. Um, also, it, it lowers my anxiety to think that we're not the center. It makes me really anxious to think that we're responsible. This is something else. I used to believe that human beings were responsible for all death in the friggin' universe. I believed that human beings' actions in the Garden of Eden introduced death into existence. Oh, that's a and whole like, another <laughs> everybody that no, it's it's a part of cosmology. Right. Every every single animal that ever died was re, was a result of our decision. That kind of like psychological burden on top of a species like ours is 
is unfortunate. I think Genesis 1 through 3 is beautiful. It has so much truth to convey. It has spiritual insight. It informs me as a spiritual being. But to say that like original sin and the guard, the fall was a literal thing puts so much on us. Like, of course we're shitty. Of course we're not worthy of love because we brought, we're the death bringers into a, if you really do look at the universe and how huge and old and massive it is, and then you tell us like, hey, you're responsible for every tornado and every bee that ever stung someone or every like, you know, fish that ate another fish. It's a result of your decisions as a human being. Like, how does that shape us as people, as responsible agents? You scapegoat because the then it, it's yeah. not your sin that's destroying the world. It's it's Hollywood's sin. And that's why the hurricane happened or, you know, whatever. Like it, it causes you to shift because no one really wants to accept that idea that they are responsible. So they create a hierarchy. You have to create a hierarchy to survive probably like – mentally and emotionally and that's why that's why it's the opposite of reconciliation it's the opposite of what the the heart of everything that all all of us and on this show have dedicated our lives to which is a a full acceptance and understanding of the place that we are at and 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 hopefully making us more prepared or comfortable as we enter into the future you know bring people along the way not in like a you know get people saved way but get people to understand that who they are and, and how important they are in the grand scheme of everything. And it's relieving. It is. It absolutely is. It's relieving is. to know it that is. I'm it not is. the center of the universe. Honestly. All right. Any, any final thoughts before we close out this conversation? That was it for me. Okay. This is going to seem like a total, like what is Raj talking about? Um, but there's radio lab did a recent, uh, series on gonads. And <laughs> okay, all right. I, I no, I'm tracking. It's just, it, just keep going. If you've listened this far in the podcast, you get the, the real stuff. Listen, I am so excited to listen to this. <laughs> listen to because it, there's so many presuppositions that we have about our cosmology from our old paradigm. There's a lot of presuppositions we have around gender and biology and chromosomes and blah blah blah. And this episode shatters all of it. It's Awesome. And gonads are superheroes in the real. Check it out. Check it's it. Like Radio old, Lab. Old it's wine sex, right? <laughs> I'll check out the gonads. Radio Lab. Yeah. It's I think it's six parts. It's fantastic. But um I guess what Consider the gonad. That's the uh <laughs> consider the gonad. There's, there's the illustration. But yes. You you think one thing at one time and one point in your life, and then new information comes along. You got to wrestle with it, and you either bury it and go back, or you embrace it and you're open to what's next. And I, it, but there's also to, just to jump onto that because I think it's perfect. That's exactly what I want to hear if I'm listening to this episode. But there also still is a sense that you do go back. You're still washing your clothes. You're still waking up. You're still working your job. Um, and you can do all of those things from a different perspective from this radical shift. Like, uh, that's what they say in Buddhism is like, you're, you're, you're chopping wood and carrying water before the enlightenment and you're doing the same thing afterward too. Like there's not, there is a continuity there. I was just going to throw in chop wood, carry water. I love that. Carry water. Embrace the mystery that is around you and within you. There we go. That is the one to end on. Let us know what you think. Uh, this is obviously a conversation that has many layers to it. So add your voice to this conversation by commenting in the show notes at irenacast.com slash 138. Also in the show notes, you'll find relevant links and a complete list of all the other ways you can like, follow, and contact the show. That's irenacast.com slash 138. Uh, on the other side of the music, we are going to be 
playing sound trades, which is uh, really fun, and, uh, and we'll explain how that works. So uh, stay tuned. All right, so this is called sh- Sound Trades. So in the infancy of Irenicast, we were trying to think of fun segments, games that we could do that obviously were not visual. And someone said charades, and we laughed. We're like, you can't do charades. And then we're like, well, what about sound trades? We just do a sound instead of acting something out. And uh, it turned out to be a hit. It's fun to do. It's embarrassing. It pushes us out of our comfort zone. It rec- helps us recognize that we're not the center of the world. And uh, we're going to do it. So this is how it works. If you if you ever want to play along or you know do this with your friends, uh, we in the, in the show notes, I'll put a link to the word generator that we're using. So basically, we've set it on moderate words. Because uh, the harder it is, coming up with sounds is ridiculous. And we are going to do our um, best sound impression, no words, of what's going on. Even on our end, we're turning off our video so we can't see each other. This is going to be – we can cover it up or whatever, however you want to do that. And you have to go with the word that it shows. Even if it's, like, extremely difficult, just try to try your best. Right. Casey's volunteered to go first. He's going to click the word generator, and then he's going to go with whatever word. So no time to think about it. You're just going to do your thing. Uh, so, Casey, are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay. Proceed. Shoo, 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 shoo. Skiing? Uh, knife. Uh, nope. Shoo, shoo. Um, uh, washing machine. Over shooting, shooting arrows. Uh, nope. Um, what, what other Hurricane, things? Hurricane. Blizzard. No. <laughs> try one, shoo, try shoo, one more shoo. time. <laughs> it's like um, shoo, zoo, 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 zoo. I don't know. Uh, race it, cars, it, traffic. No. Oh yeah, that's no. a good one. No, no. Washing machine. Um, no. I, can mm. I just tell you? Dryer. <laughs> You're done already. You do all right, all right, Casey. Go ahead and tell us. <laughs> He's like, what the, you He's the, repeating the, the same first, word louder. The first one. Yeah, the first one I clicked was a good one. This one is stupid. It's what was it? hoop. What? Hoop. Oh, I was going to say basketball next. Hoop. Yeah, I was actually like talking about like hit swishes. Oh. Yeah. Like you were yeah, on the right I, track, Casey. Did, did you say swishes? Rush? I, I was about to and then Casey oh, was like, man. Eh. Hey, thank you Casey. That was pretty good. That's that was tough. good. That was good. <laughs> All right, who's who's going next? All right, I'll go next since I'm All right. next. I'm the we'll other make the, We'll make the the newbies to it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Rookies. Here we go. Every time I see hoop earrings, I'm going to hear that from now on, Casey. Everybody ready? <laughs> Ready. Rain. Wind. Meteor. Bomb. Explosion. These are all going to start sounding the same. Dentist. (laughs) Dentist. Uh. (laughs) Wait, let's do that again. Did you hear that? (laughs) Um, Sucking out of a straw. You're going to the wrong dentist, Alan. Okay, yeah. Okay, Casey, we're going with that. Um, clink, clink. Oh, slurp. Okay. Um, uh, I suck. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Ice cubes. Yeah, Alan, uh, like, ah. Iceberg. Refreshing. Uh, tasty, refreshing, cold. Uh, yeah, yep. Sprite. Uh, um, uh, Soda, carbonation. Oh, my God. This is impossible. Effervescence. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, difficult. Oh, my God. I don't know how I'm going to get you guys. Evanescence. I, I'm... <laughs> Wake me up inside. Okay, okay. Go back to where Alan was. <laughs> Ice. Um, Cold. Uh, 
Boing, water. Boing, boing. <laughs> Gonads. <laughs> um, hockey. I don't know. Now we're going the wrong he went, direction. He went, ah, we're going the wrong direction. What kind of ice bounces? Did you say boing? Yeah, well, that's a rocks. different. Uh, On the rocks. <laughs> I, I'm trying to paint a picture to get us to okay, this thing. We're gonna we're gonna listen. And do it one more time. Boing boing splash. splash. Yeah, yeah. Clink ice clink splash. Boing boing splash. Uh oh man, wrong direction. Penguin. It's <laughs> all wrong direction. You're you're what? hot. You're colder. <laughs> <laughs> this is what so do you hard. put in a drink oh like my that? God. Uh, doping. No. All right. Climate I'm, change. I, I'm I'm with Casey here. I'm I'm like I I just don't see how we're gonna get there. All right. All right. Climate change. <laughs> it's the real emergency. Summer. Oh. So I started yeah. at, I started trying to trying to paint the picture of being at the beach, you know, with like waves crashing on the shore, like you've got an icy drink in your hand. Um but I had That's no so idea sad. how to make this a is hard. summer sound. It is. It's very hard. It's insane. All right, Alan, do you want to go next? Okay, here we go. Oh, that's easy. Creek. Door. No. Open. Duh, 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 duh. Oh. Creek. Creek. Open. Door. Creek. Creek. Floor. A floor. Mm-hmm. Haunted house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Haunted, Haunted mansion. mansion. Scary. Creek. Creepy. Creek. Halloween. Squeak. Oh, squeak. Door. Hinge. Um, Monster. Walking upstairs. Stairs. 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 Oh, yeah. Got it. Right on. That's a pretty easy one. Okay. Yeah, that was an easy right? one. That's on, shame. <laughs> I, I clicked it. I yeah. clicked it. It's the cosmos. I'd be like, cheated boom, boom, Casey boom, out boom, of boom. a win. Boom, 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 boom. All right. So, so far, I have one point and no one has anything, right? I so I'm winning. Done the, the line down. Anyway, Jess. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Turn it into a competition. Why don't All right. You? Here we go. Are you ready? I think I get the point for being so good, right? You got an easy one, though. We should so do get easy words. Okay. Here we go. We should do more difficult words. Uh, you know, wait, that's not good because I just saw that one. It's Frankenstein. That's the it one is that Frankenstein. I saw. But that that was the one before stairs. This word generator is broken. Should we make this hard and click idioms? Oh, yeah. Idioms are good. Yes, they are. <laughs> All right. So idioms. we're shifting midstream right here, right? Yeah. So we're, we're going to – we went with moderate words, which was difficult because we had to come up with a word. And Alan ruined my turn because he could have just pretended that he guessed Frankenstein and got a – Dude, you could have uh, gone to another word. Yeah, yep. but I didn't want to. So because <laughs> okay. Frankenstein's easy because you make I was the excited. rules. When I saw it, I was like, "Wow, that would be really easy." All right, I'll do a moderate word and then we'll go to idioms. All right, that's fair. Does that sound good? Then then we'll then we'll all be fair. Then, so we, then that we way, we all have, did a moderate yeah. word and yeah, okay. So I will do a new word. This will be good. All right. Guitar, electric guitar. guitar. There you go. I got, got it. an easy one. It's one to one. Give him all the easy ones. All right. I think that point counts. (laughs) (laughs) It totally counts. I just got the luck of the draw. It's like a lottery. That was as easy as stairs, man. That was. Well, it was easy. Okay, we're doing idioms? Yeah. Yeah, we're doing idioms. So we're going to switch to idioms. So for those of you that are listening, the the options that we have for this word generator are easy words, moderate words, hard words, very hard words, idioms, and animals. Animals is obviously too easy, I think. So we're going to try idioms. All right. I think I got it. You ready? Go. Storm. Meow. Raining cats and dogs. Woohoo! Oh, yep. is that nice. it? Nice. Yes. That's yeah. gotta be it. That was good. Okay, Raj, good. you're up. All right, I'm up. 
The birds and the bees. Bee in your bonnet. No. You have a fly in your ointment. Buzz me in. Yeah. Get right there. Keep going. Fly in your ointment? Straining a gnat. Strain the fly thing. What's that called? for this game. Superfly? It's not straining a gnat. Fly me home. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's an idiom and flies in it. Okay, okay, thank you for saying that. That's At good. the beginning. Um, a single fly. A fly. Fly on the wall. Bingo. Ooh. There it is. There you Dang, go, Casey. Dude. It's like, I that's don't know what good. sound nice. there is for wall. I was trying to do a knock, but that's a door. I wonder how that's many, because really Casey, I think the last time we played this, you were listening and you were like yelling at the show. The answers. Because you. Like, I was, yes. <laughs> I want to know how many people are, are you have already figured it out. We're just sitting here looking like idiots. <laughs> yep. Hey, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. We, we should, exactly. we should hey, like, listen, it, we should agree on like sounds for wall. Like what, what's our sound for wall going to be in the future? If oh my God. I have a story about that. I have to tell real fast. No, no, real quick. I was in high school. We, we and need it like little history. intro music for story time with Alan. It was, <laughs> it was history <laughs> class. It, was it history would be class. half the podcast. <laughs> It was history class, and I got my whole group. We were going to get extra credit if we got if we won charades, and we were doing politician politics and stuff. And I said, if JFK ever gets up there, just draw a chicken. And I was like, whatever you guys do, just draw a chicken, just because I knew it would eventually come up. <laughs> and so, like, I forgot about it completely. And she, this girl, gets up there. Her name is Megan. She draws a chicken, and she's pointing at it. We're like, we don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, I cannot remember. And I felt so bad. That's actually oh, yeah. a good Alan story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually right. a good one. <laughs> hey, no, that's funny. All right, I, I, I'm up now. All right, right, Alan, you're up. Okay, here we go. Oh, this one's really easy though. JFK. No. <laughs> okay, this was. I just think it's easy, but okay, I'll, I'll do it. Dog. Dog park. His bite is dog bite. Bark is bigger than the bite or whatever. Bark is worse than his bite. Uh, Very uh, close. Your bark is um your bite. Your bark is bigger than your bite. His bark is his bark is worse than his bite. It doesn't have to be the exact wording. (laughs) Did we get it? It's all bark and no bite. Oh, that, all that's bark the same and thing. no bite. Yeah, we're just, yeah. Like, we're being a literalist, we Alan. We've all discussed that. Easy. We just had a conversation get... about this. I do Chicken. not want easy ones. I want them to be more difficult. And I got stairs and all bark. Okay, no Raj, bite. your turn. Come on. No, I, I did it. It's my turn. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Fly on the wall. All right. No, that's that's not right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not um, how it sounds. A chip off the old block. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, gag, gag me with the spoon. Gag order, mm. and then um, <laughs> um, escape room, kidnapped in your coffin. What? But idiom locked in. What's an idiom with gag? I'm guessing gags in or there. someone who just can't talk, who's mm, inside of a box, mm. inside the box. Those are good sounds, Jeff. Mm. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> that frustration. Do we have a sound for like parts or 
<laughs> whatever. Like, you know, it's in charades. You can talk. <laughs> <laughs> No talking, something about silence. Something about silence. Silence of the lambs? Or something about uh, babbling. No. Oh, my God. I don't think we're going to get What's this, this sound? If it was just this? Knock. Knock. Steps? Stepping. Stepping. Knock. Okay. Oh, the, oh. oh. Uh, walking the walk and talking the talk? <laughs> you're, you're, like, right on the – you're in the same, like, <laughs> anatomy uh, part of the body. <laughs> Foot and mouth. Yes. Uh, yes. Foot and mouth. There we go. Yes. Got oh my god. Got him. Oh, that's exhausting. To the Just room. Laugh. That's ex- I'm tired too. All right. Well, that will do it for us this week. Then. Uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for joining us, Alan. How can people find what you have going on on the interwebs? Well, first off, I just want to give a shout out one last time for, to Paul Wallace. So I think Paul, this book. Hope you're yes, listening. Uh, I think this book, uh, Stars Beneath Us, Finding God in the Evolving Cosmos, is a really good like introductory text to a lot of the things that kind of been brewing for, for all of us in progressive Christian circles when it comes to cosmology. He's worked as an astrophysicist um, and also inside of churches. So grab it, pick it up, read it. I think there are some books that are pretty seminal for the work that we're doing. Um, and if you want to kind of get a lay of the land, so to speak. And he does go into Job a lot. A lot of the things that I mentioned, take a look at that book. It'll be in the show notes. Otherwise connect with me on Facebook, send me a quick message and just say, hi, I heard you on the podcast. Uh, can we be friends or whatever? Raj, how about you? Facebook.com slash Rev Raj Rambob. And Casey. You can find me uh, at my blog, which is queerly faithful pastor.com or um, Twitter or or I'm Instagram, uh, the Queerly Faithful Pastor, or uh, Twitter, which is Rev Tinnen. They, for some reason, I couldn't get the Queerly Faithful Pastor. And uh, or you can check out my church's webpage, which is LumisUCC.org. All right. And as for me, you can find me on all the socials at Jeff Minildi and listen on the second and fourth Thursday of every month, probably to my other podcast, Divine Cinema at DivineCinema.net. As for Irenacast, don't forget to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. We are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. And while you're there, if the platform allows it, leave us a rating and or review. We're always looking for more and more ways to hear from you. You can also fill out our listener survey at irenacast.com slash survey. The information you give us there is super helpful as we move forward and continue to evolve the show. That's irenacast.com slash survey. Uh, So for this week, I'm Jeff. I'm Alan. I'm Casey. This is Raj. Thanks for joining the conversation. 